interview is with Madhvi Rajan, one of Intel's chiefs of staff and fellow Stanford GSB classmate and strategist. Trained as an engineer, after over 12 years, Madhvi realized she needed to work on things that would have more direct impact on how technology was enabling people and move to product management and then to strategy. As she stretched into these roles, she found tools to grow her technical and people skills, including the program at Stanford, which she started while on maternity leave for her second child. Prior to this program, Madhvi recalls having few sponsors and mentors and never broadcasting about her own work. The program at Stanford gave her skills she did not possess prior, and we discussed this in depth throughout the episode. Madhvi does not stop, though, at her own career growth. She is also passionate about building bridges for women in business, helping them move through the middle of organizations and up. As a leader, Madhvi strives to understand people first, and as a result, people tend to want to do the work rather than just obey orders. We talk about the trade-offs and sacrifices that come with this approach, and Madhvi shares about how she's shifted her style over time based on increased self-awareness and new contexts. Madhvi is a powerful and energetic force of nature, and our conversation is sure to inspire. Enjoy, and thank you, Madhvi. Hi, Tani. Nice to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you're a fellow student and peer and executive uh, studies person at Stanford, and we got connected through Pornima. Yeah. And uh, I got to read a little bit about your story, which is very unique. Thank you. Uh, perhaps you could start out, actually. I, I know we, we prepped for this, and you had some... Uh, questions that I shared with you. And at the same time, your story is so unique. I would love if you could share a little bit about it to start us off. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So I come from India. I think that's no secret <laughs> looking at me. Uh, but I come from a very orthodox family where uh, you get married, then you turn like 20, 21. So right when you're finishing your undergrad or like, you know, Right before you're finishing your undergrad, you get married, right? So that's that's the deal in the family. Uh, but uh, you know, my my dad always wanted to study, but money was like a, a challenge for him, and he was like, uh, he he saw the spark in me, like, but. Uh, the way I was interested in education and so on. So he made sure that he figured out ways to fund me. And my brother is a huge pillar of support for that as well. Uh, so they constantly supported. I finished my bachelor's and then I was ready to go do my master's in the United States, right? So I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do it or not, but I didn't want to get married. That was the big deal for me. And I said, yeah, jumped on the offer and said like, dad, yes, I want to do it. And then he supported and he told my mom like, no, she's going to go do what she wants to do. So from then on, every single thing that I achieve in my life is a bonus, right? I was supposed to get married in 20s and here I am, you know, I'm still learning. I'm part of lead and my mom jokes to me like, what did I do? Why are you always studying and learning? And, you know, there is a nonstop thing, but that, that, that's what I am and that's who I am. Yeah. And what do you think caused your father to be so open minded to this? 
Uh, so he never saw me and my brother very differently. So when I hear about STEM, uh, women getting underrepresented in STEM, or uh, people calling me as a URM, it's a shocker for me. I mean, I come from India. It's still a developing country, as many people say. Uh, I was, I never felt my gender uh, growing up there. And I was never discriminated that like, hey, you shouldn't be doing engineering. You should be doing like fashion studies or something like that. He saw the interest uh, I had in computers and math and other things. And I got encouraged and that, that applies to my teachers and everyone as well. So, yeah. And did his family have women in it who were uh, career oriented and, and globally curious or? Um, I, I come from a family of business owners and uh, that includes women as well. They might not be sitting in the front seat all the time, but they are like supporting the men. I do have an aunt who has picked up and run her own business. And uh, I have so much I keep learning from her on an everyday basis, I would say. Uh, but uh, yeah. They were never given a chance, I, I should say that. And like the first person or first women in our family who did engineering and who came to uh, a country where my, our family is not there to do that. And uh, I have my cousins and nieces who are following me, right? And I try to help them out wherever possible on guiding them like, hey, you don't have to follow. You can form your own path, right? Yeah. When you look at the the population of uh, women under twenty one in India today, mm -hmm. obviously you you only have a you know a perspective of those who you see and and what the media portrays. But what would you say is the percentage of women who are like you today under twenty one? The metropolitan cities has changed quite a lot. They are adventuring out quite a bit, I would say. Things have been changing, but there are pockets. There are like rural places where there is maybe 50% or so, right? It's I wouldn't say it's completely changed. People are getting educated and changing, and it's been uh, close to 15 plus years since I've been here. So things have changed since the time I came here. So that is a positive. And uh, it's amazing when things grow in those small pockets, they grow exponentially back in India, right? Like startups were not a thing before. Women getting into business was not a thing before. All of that is changing. And when it changes, it grows extremely exponentially. And all those women go help out the other women quite heavily as well. So it's very interesting the way people are able to use it as a multiplication factor a lot more compared to here that I have seen. Yeah. Because I'm imagining that if you have, say, 10 cousins, and uh -huh. out of those 10 cousins, like five of them are really interested in what Matavi is doing uh -huh. because uh, they have exposure to you, like 50% would still probably be a an overrepresentation of the situation because they have you as someone to look up to yeah uh if there is a balance i would say uh the elders in the family don't want uh them to be you know like following me 100 <laughs> percent being like a, a game changer in a lot of ways you know like if you know about indian families i didn't go with the traditional arranged marriage i you know like chose the person so you're uh, a rebel more, yeah say that again 
you're a rebel. I am in some sense, right? So they- I'm a rebel too. <laughs> okay. So, for, so when somebody says like, hey, this is not the norm, this is not what you're supposed to do. My next question is like, why? Right. That's mm. been that's been my way of living since I was a kid. My mom says that she used to get tired of answering my voice. And I was never a listener of a listener of because I'd said so. I mean, I have two daughters now. I can understand where she is coming from. <laughs> but I definitely can't use because I said so with my daughters, right? So I do try to reason and influence them in the direction that I want to, you know, yeah. What were you like when you were little? Can you tell maybe curious. a story or two about? I'm a curious person. I still have that curiosity in me. It's it's interesting when we were asked to get some feedback with, from people, you know, friends and uh, co-workers. And it, many of them wrote that I am curious. And I'm like, yeah, that's my brand. I am insatiably curious. And I need to have that curiosity because I do product management and strategy. If you don't have curiosity, you're not going to go and learn and find the new things and figure out why people are doing these things or why a product run this way or why an industry or why a company is run this way. So there is a why for everything. So you've got to be curious to like, you know, spark an interest on anything and everything that you're working on. Is what I feel. Yeah. Well, we are sisters. <laughs> uh, so what have you enjoyed learning the most since starting at uh, Stanford? Oh, it's it's a, uh, it's, it's a life-changing experience for me. So it's not just the academy part. Like, you know, like I picked uh, Stanford, especially the lead course, because I've been in product management and strategy and I switched from being an engineer to product management strategy, right? So there is a lot of structured learning that comes to you as part of uh, uh, your engineering training. But then somebody has switched it there are transferable skills that we take along with us. and But I wanted to learn more on like, hey, is how, what kind of strategical frameworks that I could pick to use, you know, help with the businesses that we are running. And how do I put like business models? I work for Intel. So it's an established leader in the industry for 50 plus years, right? So like, what can I go change? But the role that I got was like, go figure out new ways for us to do the business. Like, wow, that's an open platform that I got. So so what skills could I go learn when I go join LEAD? But it helped me with a lot more things than what I was looking for because it's, it's a course of action. Uh, all the courses are structured in a way that I could go and pick and talk to people and learn from others as well. And these folks are global right and come from so many different industries and we get a chance to form smaller cohorts so right now i'm in a cohort where i'm working with a ceo who runs a non-profit completely a different domain and then we get to talk in like smaller groups and you know like what are the problems you're facing and what are the challenges that we face and and we were able to figure out so many commonal commonalities across it and like oh this is how the for profit works. How could we use your skills there? So there's so much, you know, like I can go nonstop, as you can see, it's very hard for me to stop when you ask a question like that. And as a person who is very curious, I do go and learn and, you know, it's amazing how, um, uh, life works in a very unconnected fashion. Uh, I learn from somebody, sometimes even my toddler, right? She asks a certain question and then I'm like answering it in a certain way. And it, 
triggers when I'm solving a completely different technical problem at work. Yeah, you could approach it this way. My daughter taught me this, you know, so it's, it's a similar thing. Like, yeah, this person might be coming from nonprofit or um, another cohort person I'm working with. She, she's from Google, right? Like, but different, different perspectives that we are getting in. And, you know, like she's working with like real smart people in the world every day, right? But you still have so much that you could learn and how they are connecting, how they are solving. So it's, a, it's the exponential uh, learning experience, I would say. Uh, that I'm getting out of lead and not just the academy part. Yeah. Very well said. And up until joining lead, who has been the biggest influence on your career or life? Uh, a lot of folks. I do learn and pick up things uh, from uh, from many, many people, like uh, small and big, I would say. Uh, but Indra Nui is someone I crazily follow, uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I uh, before her book got, got even published or before she even retired from being a CEO and got into the nonprofit. Uh, I used to watch her videos nonstop on YouTube, right? Like I have two kids and I have so much of alone time where I'm like, you know, pumping milk for the kids and my I have my phone on YouTube, like going back and back and back on like, okay, interesting stories and so many things I could relate to, you know, underrepresented women and um, is somebody who rose up her ranks into being a CEO and she converted everything with purpose. So that's been my charter as well. It's very hard for me when somebody assigns me a task to do it, unless I don't feel that it is related to a purpose. And somebody who is able to do it at a CEO level, I could imagine the type of positions that she would get, and she was still able to make that happen. And even after she retired, she'd been using her influence to solve something much, much larger, right? Like women are quitting the workforce because they are not able to solve this problem. Everybody knows about, you know, balancing work and life, especially childcare is a huge problem, but nobody talks about it. Nobody does anything about it. And she's trying to use her influence and power for the right thing. So I'm like, this is good. So she has a huge impact on me. Yeah. Wow. She's the, you're the second person who has said that she has been the biggest influence on them. Um, you might know Sandeep Kibbe. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he also shared about her and, uh, about how she was able to transform and shift their brand towards the healthy side of, of yeah. their products and exactly. uh, yeah. that their brand can be doing good, even at a time when they were extremely profitable and the business was doing well. But she had the foresight to see that, look, the future is going to be where companies serve the public and they care about their well-being, not just about their wallets. Yes. And uh, she was able to convince everybody uh, that that was the right thing to do. And it was. Uh, so it's a very inspiring story. And on that note, what are some of your feelings around? Uh, I know you mentioned work life balance just mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. um, for you. Like what what are the different pillars of work life balance? Uh, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I just, I, I have a six months old right now. I picked lead when I was in my maternity leave. And so balance is an everyday game for me. Uh, but what I have learned is to prioritize, 
you know, like uh, I prioritize based on the minute to the hour sometimes, right? Like, okay, if I have to work on uh, getting my kid finish her homework or, you know, I have a daughter as well, you know, she has a show and tell today. So it's like, how do I make sure that I'm 100% with her and not talk about other stuff? Right. There is like 100 things going on in my head on like, hey, I'm going to be talking to Tiani today. Right. But yes, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen at a certain hour. But right now I'm going to be focusing on how do I prep my kid for this? So that's been a, a, a challenge that I had been facing on like every person has 24 hours per day. How do you use is completely up to you. So being present at, at a certain day, time and not get stressed out about all the things that are happening in your life that you need to go address uh, ha- has been helping me. So I just, you know. I could yeah. ask you a quick question right about that because that's a huge area. So presence, uh, like who in your life has taught you how to be present? Because that's that's not how our natural brain operates. That's a very controlled dis- uh, conscious choice to be present. Like, do you use meditation for that? Or how, how do you? I have done that in the past. I wish to go back to it. Uh, but uh, I, I used to meditate like uh, for an hour every day when I was in my high school and it helped a lot. I just sit under, interestingly, under a tree when I was back in India, where I got access to my backyard. And I used to talk to my trees as well. Sorry, I'm weird. <laughs> but that's my peaceful time, right? And uh, I, I, I used to just meditate for like an hour, just let my mind think through, flow through whatever I need to, you know, complete on a certain day basis. Because, you know, for a high school kid, whichever country you are, you need to score a certain percentage to get to the next level. So there's so much stress going on, although education was the only thing that you were doing at the time, right? But like I said, all the tiny things that you keep doing in your life comes to your mind somehow in odd ways, right? Like we used to have schedules put together. My dad used to help me with that, right? Oh, I have five different courses that I need to deal with. And he would just put like a time schedule for me. Okay, nine to 10, you're going to do this. 10 to 12, you're going to do this. And in all of a sudden, I realized that a couple of weeks back, you know what, I did that and it actually helped me because I never think about the other coursework when I'm doing this. So I just opened a Google Doc and I put like my to-dos for my stuff, right? So there is work life, there is kids and there is lead. There is so many other things that I keep doing. I throw everything in there and I'm like, okay, these are the five different tasks I need to focus and make sure that I am finishing it for the day or finishing it for the week. So then I'm not thinking about all of them at the same time, but you know, like the presence, right? Okay. At this moment, I'm going to be doing only this. And if you think about it, all you need is probably an hour to complete a task. Right. But you, you, it's very hard for you to do it because you have like 10 other things in your head. So once I started bucketing it, it, it kind of like, you know, helps. And the other thing is with my new boss that, you know, I joined a new uh, team and a new boss a couple of weeks back. Uh, so I'm, I'm chief of staff and I'm going to be helping merger and acquisitions for Intel. So as a chief of staff, you get opportunity to work with the GM of the team, right? So he shares his calendar with me because we are like trying to figure out and prioritize. And I've seen the way he does it. And I'm like, wow, at this person's level, he's able to do it. It makes sense, right? Every single thing is a high priority, but he's like, yeah, but this is how I do it. 
So, so he carves out time for himself to, to do what the things that he needs to fuel his tank. Exactly. Like, yes, we need to do this, but we need time to prep for this as well, right? That is something that we miss out on. They're like, oh, I need to go present this stuff to like all these execs. I need to do it. But it's everything becomes like a working meeting. It's like, no, you need time to prep for it. So you have a clear vision on how you're doing it. So I kind of took that as an indirect permission to myself. as like, yes, I need to do that too. That's when I can deliver things 100%. Right? Wow. So that's, that's a very recent learning that I got. But yeah. And what is something that you do to take care of Madhavi? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I love massages. So <laughs> I missed that during the COVID time. But uh, any time that I get, I mean, I used to travel for work. I used to travel internationally for, for work. And uh, when I'm done with my meetings and stuff before I go to bed, you know, like uh, every hotel has, I'm giving you a secret, letting you know my secret now. But yeah, I, I, I try to like schedule a massage before I go to bed. So I it's it's my time and, you know, like just me. I love that. <laughs> Oh my, this is my new favorite question to ask people. And the best part is that every single person I have asked has said something different. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I was, I was wondering about the four pillars of work-life balance. And you mentioned that presence is a big one. Then it seems like time blocking and prep is a big one. Somehow that is like one on its own. Yeah. And what would be the others? Uh, I know we're just coming up with them on the spot right here. Yeah. I, I never even bucketized them into categories until you're asking me now, right? Uh, the others, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to balance things with my husband, I guess, right? Like on this whole prioritization. Relationship. Yeah. It's Literally. like... Yeah, so we are a household where it's like, oh, you do the dishes, I do the cooking, or you do the pickup, I do this. No, we are not like that. We both can do everything. He can cook and, you know, it's, it's so it's like, oh, this thing needs to be done today. Let's go do it. So who is going to do it? So each of us can replace each other. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out which model do we need to follow, right? Should we like separate it out as like individual tasks or should we combine and go with the flow the way we are doing it right now? I guess as a family, you keep perfecting it. You need to figure it out. So with the new addition in the family, we our normal got shaken up a bit. So we are trying to find our new normal again. But uh, using the resources in the right way, I guess, it, it all comes. I kind of see him as a resource. right? And I have he, an awesome book for you. It's called oh, sure. 8080 Marriage. And I've actually interviewed both the husband and the wife who wrote uh -huh. this book. Oh, and wow. it talks about exactly this. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. And yeah. they're awesome. They're really, really uh, talented. Uh, in fact, I have a quote here from the husband who says, um, how to create a culture in the workplace that is radically supportive to well-being is the future of wonderful companies? That's the question they're asking themselves. Interesting. Yes. Um, okay. Any other pillars you can you want to share, or do you want to keep noodling on that? Uh, let's keep noodling on it. I'm sure something would pop up <laughs> from okay. somewhere, but yeah. So, um, what has been your mantra as you've navigated this process 
since joining LEAD and exploring uh, what path you want to take and how to position yourself for the next opportunity? So, I mean, as someone who has changed your careers a bit, right? Like it, it changed, I moved from being an engineer for 10 plus years into product management and then into strategy. And now like looking at m and or going to be helping on m and uh, I try to look at like uh, transferable skills, right? Uh, nobody is born with knowing everything. You're always learning and the education that you get helps you or trains your brain to learn rather than like picking out the exact things, right? I mean, I may not be using trigonometry that I learned a long time back, but there are certain things that, that I learned when I was doing trigonometry that I could still use. So similarly, every role that I pick, I kind of consciously look at, okay, what can I take from my previous role as an engineer i'm looking at data all the time i'm analyzing data all the time and that is needed for every and any role that you are picking up right and then as a product manager i need to go learn about a particular product a particular industry who my competition is and so on so that's my additional skill that i need to get so anything that i can learn by myself through the work, I go pick that up and any gaps that I see or I find, I try to fill that gap. Picking up lead was one of them, right? And I do learn a lot from my work, but I thought having these additional uh, structured learning would help me out. So many folks reach out to me for, you know, changing careers, especially with the product management. I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn, right? Because recently I see a lot of uh, folks who want to get into product management. And there is like a lot of how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I become a software product manager versus a hardware versus a platform? It's so many videos up there. So my question is like, why do you want to become a product manager? Right? It's, it's, it, it is a very... Um, fluid role, right? It's not defined in a certain way. It can be so different based on which company, which product, which industry you're supporting. And you, and it, there is no official training for product managers as well, right? If you talk to like 10 different people who are product managers, they all have done something different to get to where they are at. So it's very key for somebody to understand that. So that's where these transferable skills come into picture. So it's always key for a person when they're looking at it, what can I keep from what I've been doing, how do I transfer it to my new role? What are the things that I need to equip myself with to go and achieve that? So that's what if the answer to that question is, I want to make more money and I think I can make more money being a product manager. If you're an engineer and you want to get into product management, the answer would be no, because PMs make lesser compared to engineers. So it's, it, that that's another reason. I do ask people that, you know, like, why do you want, right? And they're like, oh, I want to be a mini CEO or because that's one of the characteristics of a product manager, right? I'm like, good, but it doesn't come immediately. You start from low and then you keep building because people need to trust you that you are going to define the product in a way that it's going to be groundbreaking or it's going to be solving the customer problem 100% and so on, right? So they tend to pick up on these catchy words and they think, oh, I'm a mini CEO, so it's going to come with a lot of dollars. Not necessarily because engineers have specific skills as well, which are not so easy to get. So people do tend to pay engineers a lot more. So you got to understand and look at all the perspectives before you're making a career move. 
So yeah. you also mentioned about the concept of influence as a service. You're <laughs> full of new and innovative uh, ways of thinking, and I love it. Tell me about this. What what is that, and how and how have you been pitching this? So I, I should say I didn't coin the term for the first time. Uh, I did uh, hear from one of the PM talks somewhere. I, uh, I, I'm forgetting the name of the person, so I, I do want to mention. Uh, but it, it kind of struck a chord with me because I always use influence as my leadership skill, right? As a PM, you own so much stake for a product, but you don't own the team. So you are always working with people who are at like chief architects or, you know, like um, marketing folks who understand their customers in and out or the sales folks who are cutting the deal end of the day or the engineers who are sitting and doing that groundwork. Right. So how do you make all of them uh, follow what you are asking them to do? Right. I mean. Sometimes I can't make my to toddler do what I'm asking them to do. Why would these people listen to me, right? So I, so I have to use influence, reasoning, purpose, and show them, give them credit for what they've been doing, and tell them like how, you know, game changing their contribution would be for the product. And initially, I thought none of those matter, but when I moved from uh, a startup to Intel, right, like a multi-international company. I'm a nobody. People have been working there for 20 years and I'm working with PEs, principal engineers who, who have like some 20 patterns or something on under the belt. Right. So how do I make these people listen to me? Right. So and they would just throw it at like, hey, we don't do things this way. Why are you asking us to do it this way? So I had to even come up with some of the projects where I saw like, hey, I have to wear a, my startup hat because I know that is good for the product. Uh, so I would just wear my startup hat and say like, okay, I'm not going to ask you go do this. Let me show you how to do it. I, I might not have the 100% technical skill sets that you guys have. I'm not doing the coding and so on. But I do understand why you need to do that type of coding or why you need to be looking at that particular feature. So I list it out and show them a broad, like a big picture of, hey, this is how all these pieces need to come in. And this is how we run the business. So if we don't do this one, this is what is going to like not happen or how do we make it happen? So once you start drawing that picture up, and then I used to bring the customer stories back to the engineering teams, right? They, I started uh, becoming like this um, motivator in some sense, you would say. Like in the engineering teams, there are like teams who are looking at working on different stages of the product, right? So they're all like, you know, uh, heads down, looking at, you know, like I'm doing the design, I'm doing the verification, I'm doing like the testing and all of this, so don't disturb me. But when I bring in the stories of like, hey, look at this, this product that we are building, it's going to change this particular thing for the customer and they really value it and they really want Intel to do this business. So when I start sharing that stories with the customer names, it wasn't hard at all because for, for the product that I was running, I was talking to CEOs of certain companies and large companies because they really were invested. Right? So I just had to bring that story back in and show them like, hey, look at this. And then people wanted to jump on it. They, want, they were going and giving more than 100%. I mean, I was not going to give them bonus. I'm not increasing their grades. I'm not increasing their pay, but I just 
show them like there is purpose in what you are doing. So that's been my mantra using. Wow. <laughs> so you're giving them inspiration, essentially. Yes. And with that inspiration, they can be their most creative selves, which ultimately helps them to have more well-being. Yes. And to be more successful at their role. Yeah. yeah. And to help Intel to be more successful and to help the customer. Yeah, right? It's, it's not that difficult. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, it's, some things are too obvious, but then you just do it and it's amazing the returns that you get. Mm. You know, yeah. Well, you sound, sounds like you have a gift, a real okay. gift. And I, I know that we're out of time and we, we didn't even get to cover all the questions. But the one last one, I know, um, what are you most... Um, proud of these days? You, you've touched on it a little bit that during the lead program, something happened. So can you share about that? So uh, proud of um, so many things, I guess, like I told you, right? Uh, the first, uh, uh, you know, like uh, glass ceiling breaking thing for me was when I was in my 20s, when I had to choose between getting married to here. So I kind of see every single thing as a bonus after that. So so people keep asking me, right? Like you had a kid, you are supposed to relax, wind down, or maybe even take a break from work. It's hard for me. It's like I always need to solve 10 different things and I'm trying to juggle and prioritize. And uh, I... Uh, and. I lost my father-in-law during the COVID, right? Like I was pregnant and I lost a life and I'm trying to bring a life. And it just pushed me to the, you know, a different zone. It just shook us all up, you know, like you, you got to value everything that is there for you, right? Be happy with uh, everything that you got. I think I don't have any regrets or complaints, right? You keep looking for, uh, new opportunities, new changes. You're always like uh, solving something. And it's amazing how people are able to, uh, you know, follow my path in my family at least. And when they do that, it kind of pushes me to the next level of like, I have to uh, set that example. And I have two daughters, right? So I got to make sure that I'm setting the right ground for them so they could go and pick it up where I left. So I'm going to push the boundary what, to whatever level possible. And I'm proud of uh, everything that I've got, I guess, my family and uh, especially my family uh, because they do support my craziness in all possible ways. And I'm able to keep them. <laughs> they haven't left me and gone. So I'm proud of that and I'm proud of the job change that I was able to do during all of this uh, and during the midst of a lead uh, where I'm able to like get more responsibilities, get an opportunity to learn more. So yeah, uh, proud of life in general, I guess. Yeah. Wow. You are an incredible. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you so That's much for taking time to to have this conversation oh, and I hope that we can collaborate other ways in the future. Oh, definitely. Yeah, looking forward to. Really looking forward to that. Thank you, Madhavi. Thank you.